Hi everyone from my side, a warm welcome. We're so glad you are here tonight. And um, before we, we start with our topic tonight, let's just pray together. Lord, thank you that we know simple moments can mean so much. Simple moments that we sometimes don't even notice in life can bring about life change that we have never experienced before. And I pray tonight, Lord, that this simple moment here where we gather together to hear your word, to worship you, I pray that in this moment you will also bring change about in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight we are at the last part of our series, I Was Invited. And as we, as we move on, um, I'm getting more and more nervous because my baby girl, our first child, is almost about to arrive. So they say we're still in the safe side. Um, she should only come anytime from after the 3rd of October. A due date is actually officially 24th of October. But um, from the 3rd of October, it's still safe for her. Um, to arrive. So I'm getting a little nervous. And sometimes when you think about stuff like, oh, my child is on the way and no, I've got, I've got stuff to pay and how am I going to manage everything at work? You, you struggle to sleep. Have you ever been there where you lie in bed at night and there's so many things that go through your head that you just can't sleep because you're all restless? There's a huge difference, by the way, between sleeplessness and restlessness. Okay, sleeplessness could mean you just can't sleep because you've had too much sleep. Restlessness means that you can't find rest, even when you're sleeping. You're always thinking about something. You're always processing something. You go to bed, you wake up, and again, you're thinking about stuff. And the whole day, um, you're busy with this. And what is interesting is this week, because my baby girl is on her way, I was researching like the sleep patterns of babies. And I read something very interesting. So I know there's not a lot of sleep um, ahead in my, in my nearby future. But I read something very interesting. Babies can also be restless because of certain things in their environment that overstimulate them. And then they do a sneaky thing. And I can't actually remember the word for it. It was something very weird, like almost like it sounded like a weird habit, but it was something else. And I couldn't find the article again. But babies, when they're overstimulated, so say they're in an environment where there's a lot of lights and a lot of music and stuff... There's so much stimulation that they actually pretend to go to sleep. So you're at this loud party, and mom and dad is like, oh, look at our sweet kid. Like, she's she's sleeping right through the party, and you're like, so excited about that. Yes, my kid is sleeping. You go home, and you thought she had a good night's sleep, and then she starts screaming her lungs out. Because what happens is they pretend to sleep, so they go into this mode where they kind of try to shut all of the stuff that makes them restless. They try to shut that out. But because they're restless, because of everything that's going on, they actually can't sleep. And then when you get home, they are so overtired that then they can't sleep because they're overtired. So today, in our fourth part of our series, I Was Invited, we're going to talk a little bit about restlessness. And um, I want to give a quick recap of what we've been saying in this series. So in the first three weeks, we were talking about, I was invited, about what that means for me if I'm a Christian. For a Christian, so this series was focused on anyone who calls themselves a Christian. If you're not a Christian, tonight you will, um, you will enjoy tonight. But the previous three were like, kind of like a family conversation. Where in the first week we said, inviting someone to, to follow Jesus or inviting them to church could be really scary, Right? But it shouldn't be scary, because what we learned in the first week is that an invitation, invitation is a natural overflow from a heart filled with joy. So if you are super excited about something, you're going to invite people automatically. It doesn't need to be scary. You don't need to have fancy words. But if you have had an encounter with Jesus, you will just naturally do it. You can't help it. So don't be afraid of it. Just 
Make sure you have an encounter with Jesus. The second week we said, sometimes we get this fear of rejection because you might invite someone to your church or you might invite someone to follow Jesus and they're like, no, I don't want to come. And then you're like, oh, they rejected me. But we learned that they don't actually reject you. They reject your invitation. But we also learned there's two realities in life. When you invite someone, one reality is some people are going to say no because of different reasons. We spoke about some of them. If you missed it, go and listen to the podcast. But we also said when you invite people, some of them will say yes. So don't stop inviting because someone's going to say yes. And in the third week, we said, here's another hard part is you invite someone, they join you, you think like something is changing in their life, and then the next day, they're just back at their old um, habits, back at the old place where they were stuck, and you're like, man, I didn't do my job good enough. So we said, avoid that disappointment by knowing your place in the process. Your job is to sow, to share your faith, to tell people, to invite them. It's God's job to make the seed grow. But Why? Why should we invite people? Why should we come over the fear of rejection? Why should we move past the scariness? Why should we invite someone in the first place? And tonight, at part four of our topic of this series, our topic is the greatest invitation ever. We invite people to join us on this journey with Jesus. We invite people to join us in our church because there's a greater invitation that was made to me. And I want to invite someone to join me in the invitation that I got. So tonight we're going to talk about this ultimate invitation that answers the question of restlessness. So if you sometimes lie in bed at night and you can't sleep, or you go to work and you struggle to focus because there's so much stuff going through your mind, or you just feel like burdened by a lot of stuff, tonight is for you. But this also gives us the answer of why we cannot keep what we have found in Jesus to ourselves. So if you are a Christian, this is going to motivate you to go out and just share with everyone you see. If you're not a Christian tonight, this might tell you like there is hope for restlessness. So what we're going to do tonight, we're going to read from Matthew 11. If you've got your Bibles here, you can open to Matthew 11. We're going to read from verse 25 to 30. If you grew up in church, you've probably heard these couple of verses numerous times. So in Matthew 11, if you read just before this, Jesus started his ministry a couple of chapters back. Jesus goes around, he heals people, and he preaches, and he tells them about the kingdom of God, and he does all kinds of wondrous things and miracles, and people start to follow Jesus. More and more people follow him. More and more people ask him um, to speak to them, to help them. But then there's some people who didn't want anything to do with Jesus. Some people were planning from the beginning to kill him. Some people who were just like, we don't care what Jesus says, we don't want to be part of this. And then Jesus says these words, uh, Matthew 11, from verse 25. At that time, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Um, I will do the slides, Gavin. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. So Jesus just spoke with people. Some of them said like, "Ah, Jesus, we don't want anything to to do with you. And then Jesus prays this. He says, Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you. For hiding these things. Thank you for hiding the truth. Thank you for hiding the life change that can come through knowing you. Thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever. And for revealing them to the childlike, to those who are like children. Then Jesus says, yes, Father, it please you to do it this way. My father has entrusted everything to me, Jesus says. He's now speaking to them again. My father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the son except the father, and no one truly knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. And then this is 
like the most amazing verse. This is highlighted in my Bible, and there's like dates written to it every time when this means something to me. Then Jesus said, come to me. All of you are weary, and all of you carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. If you've got your Bible here, you can keep it open to that because we're going to be working through these verses literally as, um, as we look at this greatest invitation that was ever made to us. Jesus makes this amazing invitation in three verses to come and find rest. Why is that so important? Why is this the ultimate invitation? Because God created a world, and we read about it in Genesis, where Adam and Eve lived and everything was perfect the way God designed it. But then it's like, buying a new car. You get into a perfect car. Everything is good. You love it. No squeaks, no rattles, no flat tires. Everything just works well. And then for some reason, they decided we don't like things this smooth. We're going to take this car and we're going to drive it into a wall. So that's literally what Adam and Eve did. They decided to sin against God. So to, to disrupt their relationship with their creator. So it's not God's fault that things kind of went south. It is their fault because they decided to handle what God gave them in the wrong way. So at the end of the day, they disrupted this relationship between them and God. And ever since that day, we see in the Bible and we see in the world around us that human beings are creatures of restlessness. That's part of us since that day. We can't help it. And if you said, like, I'm not so sure if I'm restless. Let me ask you this. I think this is what a, a spirit that's restless looks like. A spirit that's restless is often filled with anxiety. You're restless. You don't know what the future is going to hold. You don't know if you're going to be able to pay your bond at the end of the month. You don't know if you'll have food on the table. You're filled with anxiety. A spirit that is restless is unsettled. Any little change that happens in your life or anything that you don't know moves you and it shakes you and it upsets you. A spirit that is restless is often fidgety. So you know like a fidget spinner? You use that little thing because you can't keep your fingers quiet, so you use a fidget spinner, and that's just as distracting as your fingers anyway. But if you're sitting behind a computer, it's kind of okay. Just don't do it when I'm preaching because I might look at that. But our spirits get like that. Where they're like from one thing to another thing. Nothing is permanently. We're always looking for a new adventure, for something new to challenge us, for something new that's fun, for something new that's exciting. A spirit that is restless is an insecure spirit. We become insecure. We are afraid of weakness. We're afraid of defeat. We're afraid someone will look down on us. An insecure person is often someone who's sleepless. And let me tell you, that's often me. I often struggle to sleep because I have so much stuff that's going on in my mind. And the sad reality is because of this restlessness in our soul, often we do some things. It causes some things in our life that disrupts our relationship with God and with other people. And often we do certain things to try to numb this. So think about this for a moment. You have a restless soul. So what happens in relationships? We struggle to connect with people. We struggle to keep that connection alive. So, so families end up divorcing because we're restless. Relationships between fathers and sons fall apart because both of them are so afraid that the one might seem weaker than the other one, or so afraid of defeat and weakness. So the relationships rather fall apart because I can never tell you I love you because my soul is restless. Often we try to drown that restlessness 
with all kinds of addictions, with alcohol, with drugs, with sex, with pornography, with all kinds of crazy stuff. Just last week, I was at a conference where a pastor's wife spoke about her own alcohol addiction that she struggled with for years because she had so much anxiety in her life, so much restlessness that after, after work, she would go home and she would have a glass of wine. And she said this, in order to just calm myself down. And that glass turned to more and more. And at the end of the day, she couldn't find any more calmness except for in that glass of wine that became more and more until she became a fully blown alcoholic. We tried to drown it. Often, it leads to stuff like racism. Because I'm so afraid that I might seem, I, I might not seem better than other people. I'm so afraid of weakness or defeat that, that I try to pretend that I'm better than other people. It leads to consumerism, where I'm jumping from one thing to another thing, from one cell phone to another one, from one car to another one, from one pair of jeans to a better one, just in order to make my, myself feel better. Restlessness seems like such a simple little thing. It almost seems like something, if you can just drink a little pill to calm yourself down, everything will be sorted. But guess what? Psychologists that work with, with, our, with our psyche, sociologists that work with, with groups of people together, scientists, doctors, all of them have tried to solve problems like this. All of them have tried to solve these disturbances and the problems we face, the restlessness inside of our soul, and medicines have been made, and all kinds of apps are created that you can put next to your bed, and it will help you sleep better, or it will help to calm you down, or it will help you to meditate, and people do all kinds of new yogas and meditations and things to try to calm themselves down, and the more we do this stuff, it's like the more we just get restless. It's like it doesn't stop. And can I tell you why it doesn't stop? Because there's a deeper problem. The problem is not the restlessness. The, thing, the problem is the thing that leads to the restlessness. The problem is that we are separated from the God who created us, the God of tranquility, the God of peace, the God of hope. And because we're separated from Him, because we don't have Him in our lives the way we should, we struggle with anxiety and sleeplessness and restlessness. And if you say, like, how can you say that? It's not just me. It's, that it's in the Bible. Let me read you something from Isaiah. If you've got your Bibles here, you can mark, mark this. Isaiah 57 verse 20 says this. This is God speaking through His prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament. And he says, those who still reject me, the people who don't want me in their life, the people who don't believe I'm the creator, the people who don't want my peace, are like the restless sea, which is never still, but continually churns up mud and dirt. So this is what, what God is saying through his prophet. He's like, listen, if you don't have me in your life, guess what? You can drive the best car. You can stay in the best house. You can have a hundred different degrees. You can have the best job you want. You can eat chips and fish every day if you like it. You can eat whatever you want. And guess what? You will still be like the ocean with waves just going like this. And forever your soul will be restless. And you can, do, you can try all kinds of meditation things. You can play your, your app that relaxes you. You can go and do yoga and you can drink a pill, but your soul will remain restless like the ocean. And the longer it's restless, the more it brings up mud and dirt. So the longer your soul is restless, the more stuff starts to go wrong in your life. The more you lose your perspective on relationships. The more you struggle to function and live the life that God wants you to live. Restlessness is a true issue. 
I struggle with it, and I'm sure you struggle with it as well. So let me ask you this. If we've known for at least 2,000 years that God says, well, this is actually thousands of years ago that Isaiah was written, more than 2,000 years ago, before Jesus. So if we've known this long, that when we are disconnected from our Creator, when we're disconnected from the God of peace and tranquility and life, when we're disconnected from Jesus, if we know that, then why, why do we struggle? And we're going to get to that first, but I want to tell you, before we talk about what separates you, I want you to have a glimpse. I want you to have a glimpse of what rest means, of what the invitation is that Jesus made. And then, then you can look at your own heart. So as I'm going through this, you can start examining your own heart and ask yourself this question, why am I not at that spot? And then we're going to see a couple of things from this. In verse 28 to verse 30, Jesus makes the greatest invitation ever. He says, you know that restlessness? You know that sleeplessness, the anxiety, the craziness that's going on in your soul, your soul that feels like it's like waves just going from left to right? He says, you don't need to, to be that way. You don't need to be restless. You don't have to live a life like that. You don't need to be there. And Jesus makes this amazing invitation. He says, if you are weary, if you are tired because you're restless and you can't sleep, if you carry a heavy burden, so you feel like the weight of the world is just crashing down on you. Work is so heavy. My relationships are so heavy. My finances are so heavy. It just feels like everything is pushing you down. Jesus says, come to me. Because I can change that. See, Jesus doesn't want to add burdens to your heavy load. Often when we think about it, we think, but, but doesn't religion add burdens? Doesn't religion ask you to do stuff above what you're already kind of like handling? And, and you feel like, I can't do this because there's too much stuff that I'm already carrying. I can't be that perfect. I can't be that good. I can't be that. I can't pray this amount of times. I can't do this thing every week. Let me tell you, the only thing that will add burden to your life is religion. And Christianity is not religion. Yes, we do certain things. We have certain things that we do, but, re- but religion is something where you do certain activities in order to hope for rest, in order to hope for a life after this. In Christianity, when we follow Jesus, He doesn't want to add stuff on you. You don't need to do anything in order to get rest. He says, you know what? I want to take stuff off your shoulder. So He uses the example of a yoke. If you've never seen a yoke, you need to go and Google it. Jesus says, I'm not like religion. I'm not like these religious leaders, the Jewish leaders, that put a lot of weight on you, that said, like, you have to pay this amount, and you have to do this thing, and you have to do this thing, and if you don't do this, this is your penalty, and then in order to fix that problem, you have to do this. You have to slaughter a little dove, you have to slaughter this, and you have to say these words. Jesus is like, that's religion, and that will make your burden heavier Following Jesus is not like that. He says, this is the image he uses. He says, I want to take off the heavy yoke. In the old days, if you wanted to pull a cart or if you wanted to plow your fields, there were no tractors and no cars. So they would take two animals, two donkeys, two oxen, and they would put a yoke over it. It's like a piece of wood that went over their neck. And that would distribute the weight between them. And then they could pull this, this plow or whatever behind them to work the ground behind them. And Jesus is like, I can see that you have a heavy yoke on you. 
It's like you are trying to pull that plow forward, but it's just not moving. It is so hard to make it through every week that you feel like you can't go another step. And Jesus said, I came, I came to take that yoke off you. And I want to give you a light one. I want to give you one that's soft, not a hard piece of wood, but there's some nice sponge in there. Like the yoke I want to put on you is not going to hurt you. It's going to heal you. And you'll be able to, to give another step and another one and another one because it's a light yoke. See, Jesus wants to unload the heaviness of your life. He says, if you come to me, I will learn you something. He says, I will teach you to live lightly. There's a psalm, and I think the psalmist knew this. So the psalms is like right in the middle of your Bible, a bunch of songs and poetry, beautiful stuff about God. And in Psalm 91 verse 1, the psalmist writes this. He says, those who live in shelter of the Most High, will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Okay, let me read it again. Those who live in in the shelter of the Most High, so those who live in a relationship with God, those who know Him, will will find rest. Years before Jesus said you can find rest, they say if you know God, you will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now when I read this, I was thinking, Yolanda and I used to, Love going on hiking trips. So for a couple of days, you put your backpack on, you go into the bush, you go and hike in the mountains or whatever. But sometimes you go through like valleys and stuff and you're in the shade. And then other times you get to the top of the mountain and you are walking like 12 o'clock a day. And if you didn't know, I'm like really white. So I have to put on sunblock like 10,000 times and then I still burn. So then I pick like an aloe vera leaf to try to solve the, the red issues or the burn. But you burn and it's hot and your hands are tired and your back is tired and it is so warm. And then you would be on this mountain and and a cloud would come over, almost like what you see on Table Mountain. And you would walk in there and you would be in shade and it feels like an aircon that's just cooling you off. And we would always just in that cloud go and sit down and have lunch or something because it's so cool. And when I read this, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about this tiredness, the weight of my backpack, this tiredness that I'm feeling, the sun that's burning me, this weight that I'm trying to pull along. And then you walk into this cloud and it's just like it's complete relief. The psalmist says that's what it's like to follow Jesus. That is what Jesus said when he said, stop carrying all this weight. Come to me, put this stuff down. I know you've been burned by religion, that's okay. Jesus is different. It's like, put, put that religious stuff down and come and have a relationship with me. I know you've been b- burned by people. Like, put, put all of that hatred, put all of that unforgiveness down and come and follow me. Because there's something light and beautiful and soft that comes with following Jesus. There's rest. And I was thinking about this. Our topic is the greatest invitation ever made. How is this the greatest invitation? If you grew up in church, you might say tonight, Luke, this is not the greatest invitation. The greatest invitation is, is John 3, 16. Jesus came to save the world. You know? So that's the greatest invitation is the cross of Jesus, like salvation. Well, you can say that's not the greatest invitation. You know what the greatest invitation is? The greatest invitation is to be invited to the house of your hero and to spend a week with them, a movie star or someone. But let me tell you something. This is the greatest invitation. 
Because if you do not know what is ha- where your salvation is at, if you do not know if you're okay, if you do not know if God loves you, if you do not know if God accepts you, this is the greatest news because you know what happens when you don't know if God loves you and He doesn't accept you? You have restlessness in your soul. And Jesus is like, I will give you rest. I will take that uncertainty away. If you're like, you know, I I think the greatest invitation is to meet my hero. This is still a better invitation. You know why? Because that hero can still disappoint you. That hero can still die. Jesus is like, I will never disappoint you and I will never walk out on you and I will never die. I will always be there for you. No matter what you look at, this is the greatest invitation. The invitation to live a life that John 10 verse 10 talks about, a life of abundance. And that means no matter how much money you have, no matter what your life looks like, there's always joy, there's always peace, there's always abundance in your soul. This is the greatest invitation, and Jesus invites us to find real rest in the unforced rhythms of His grace. He's like, I don't want to give you artificial rest. This is not like an app that you play on your phone and it's some soft music that calms you down. It's like, I'm going to give you real rest that's going to change your soul. I'm going to give you the kind of rest that you can sleep tonight even though you know tomorrow is going to be a hard day. That's the kind of rest Jesus gives us. And he doesn't force it on us. It's unforced. He's like, come to me. The invitation is open. Like, come to me and experience this unforced grace, this grace that will cover every mistake you've ever made, the grace that will forgive your sin because Jesus already paid for it, the grace that will give you new life, the grace that will make you an adopted son or daughter of your creator of God. Jesus invites us to come and find real rest. But the question is, why do we struggle to live in this rest if we know it's there? And I think there's two reasons. One, Jesus talks about it in verse 25 and 26. He says, God, I thank you you that you keep these things secrets to those who are wise and clever. You know why I sometimes struggle to find rest? Because I think I'm wise and clever. I think I can solve my problems on my own. I think if I work a little harder, or if I have a little more money, or if I find the right person to marry, or if I can have a new car, or if I can finally own my own home, I think then I can solve my issues. Just like that's trying to be clever, man. You're not that clever. No one is that clever. No one can solve all the problems of the world. It's like the know-it-alls. Jesus is like, the know-it-alls won't know it because guess what? They know so much about all the issues in the life and they are so blinded by it, trying to solve it that they will never see the grace of God that can cover all of that. It's hidden because they only see what their eyes are fixed on. When we are clever, when we try to be clever and all wise and we think we can solve all our own issues and we think we can find rest in ourselves, you know what happens? We don't hear God's voice. We don't hear the greatest invitation that Jesus is saying, you cannot solve this on your own. Come and help and come to me so that I can help you. We miss that. You see, Jesus says, you kept this hidden from the wise and clever, but you revealed it to those who are childlike. And when I read those words, I thought about this. Do you know what's different about a child 
When you and I face a problem, what do we do? We try to solve it, right? And we freak out about it and we lie awake and we're like, I try to solve the issues that I face in my life. When a child faces an issue, what do they do? They run to their parents and they're like, Mommy, I'm hungry. They don't stay awake at night and they're like, Oh, I wonder what I'm going to eat tomorrow. I wonder if there will be food on the table. No, they just run to mom. They're like, Mom, I'm hungry. And mom solves the problem for them. If a child has an issue, if, if they step in, in, in a thorn and it's stuck in their foot, and they don't worry like, will this thorn ever come out? Will my foot ever heal? No, they go to daddy and they're like, daddy, there's a thorn in my foot. And daddy takes it out and he puts a little plaster on it and everything is okay. You see, a child is 100% dependent on God. They don't worry about everything in life because their parents do the worrying instead of in their place. What Jesus is saying is we need to be like children where we hand over our worries to God because we can't solve it anyway. When you were little, you couldn't take a thorn out of your foot, but your dad could do it or your mom could do it. And that's what God is saying. He's like, I can take care of the problems you can't take care of. You just need to have that dependence. You just need to trust me. You see, don't... don't Don't be like a baby whose mom is trying to soothe them and they're so tired, but they're just like, I don't want to sleep. And then they keep fighting. Don't be that stupid. That's a know-it-all baby. Be like the baby who's tired and mom rocks them to sleep and they like fall asleep. Be like that. So if you're a Christian, this is a place where we can examine our own hearts and say, like, have I truly surrendered or am I still holding on to everything? Listen, if we hold on and try to fix everything ourselves, there's no difference between those of us who follow Jesus and those who don't. If we want to follow Jesus, we need to realize there needs to be something different in our lives. We need to hand over. But if you're not a Christian tonight and you're like, man, I have had sleepless nights, so many of them. Maybe it's because of this. Maybe it's because you tried to solve everything yourself. And maybe you're so tired of it. God is saying, this is not a secret. Jesus said in verse 27, I know the Father and He knows me. It's like you, you don't need to know some kind of prophet or some kind of teacher or pastor or something in order to know the secret. Jesus is like, I already know it and I want to share it with everyone who's willing to listen. Just reach out. So the first reason I think we, we struggle to find rest is because we're trying to be clever and wise. But the second reason that we find in this text in verse 29 is The problem is that we often make a once-off decision and we don't journey with God. So we come to this point where I'm like, I can't handle all of this stuff on my own. So I I put my hand up in church and I'm like, I want to give my life to Jesus. I don't want to carry all this stuff. I want to give it to Him. And I pray a prayer and I read my Bible for a day or two and then... I kind of forget about it. You know, I got the job that that the church prayed for. So now I just don't come to church anymore because I forgot about the need and how God took care of that thing. So I stopped coming or I stopped thinking about God. I stopped spending time with Him. And guess what? Then I'm back in my restlessness because I take all of that stuff that I gave to Him back on myself. Because I didn't continue the journey. You see, Christianity is not about a once-off decision. It's about a journey. Jesus said in verse 29, he made this invitation. He's like, come to me and take my yoke. Take take this and find rest. So he's like, you need to come and you need to surrender. Do that. But then he says in verse 29, he says, "Um, come learn from me. 
He says, let me teach you. So what he's saying is, this is not just about a decision you make. This is about a way of life where you are being taught. That's a disciple of Jesus. They were people who decided to follow Jesus, to see what he does, to hear his words, to learn from him, to, to learn what it means to find rest. And they have to journey with Jesus every day. And I want to tell you, don't just make the decision, but then forget the process. You see, because often what we do is it's, it's like that cloud story. You remember the, the, the psalmist said, we find rest in God, and it's like standing in the shadow of the Almighty, standing in the shadow of that cloud. But often the problem is, what we do is we, we get under that shadow, and we're like, oh, this so good, it's cool, and it's shade, and they're like, okay, I've had my rest, now I'm just going to walk on, and then I walk out under the cloud, and the sun starts to burn me again, and the weight gets heavy again, and I start to get tired again. You see, that's what we do. A cloud won't follow you. Did you know that? It's only in cartoons that clouds follow you. If you want to stay in the shade, you need to follow the cloud. You need to stay under the cloud in order to stay in its shade. And I want to tell you, if we want to find rest in our life, the Bible says that God is the answer. And I truly believe that because I struggle with restlessness anyway. And I don't want to know where I would have been if I didn't have God. So I believe Jesus is the answer for your restlessness. But this is not just about making a decision today and then thinking you will never be restless again. This is about staying under that cloud every day, about staying in that place of rest where God's security, where His protection, where His peace is just all around you. And I know what's going to happen. You will want to move out of it every now and again. And then when you step out and you feel the sun on your leg, make a decision to step back in. When you step out tomorrow and you feel like the weight of work crushing down on you again, make a decision to step back and give that to God again. Say, like, God, I can't handle this on my own. When you step out tomorrow and you're worried about your future again, you're worried about your finances again, make a decision to step back and give that to God again and say, like, God, I, I don't know what tomorrow holds. You're the creator of everything. I trust you. The cloud won't follow you. You need to follow the cloud. Make sure you stay in the right spot. I believe Jesus made the invitation come to me. And I believe when we come to Jesus, when, when we get away with Him, we'll be able to recover the life that God wants to give us. I believe that when we follow Jesus, we'll recover the life that He wanted us to live. I believe that He invites us to find real rest. Not forced, but real rest, unforced. Rhythms of grace. And I said the word rhythms because when he gives us rest, it's not just about spirituality. It's not just about finding rest for the, for, for the next life. It is about finding rest here. It's about finding rest in your work. It's about finding rest in your family. It's about every rhythm in your life where God's grace wants to bring rest. Why die of thirst when you're standing on the edge of a stream? You won't do it, will you? You won't stand on the edge of a stream, thirsty, and not take a drink. So let me ask you tonight, why stand on the edge of rest and not take a leap? 
Jesus invites us all to take that leap and find rest. But you need to take that leap. If you have decided to find the rest, let me ask you something else. Why would you allow a friend to die of thirst when you know where the water is? Why would you allow a friend to not find rest when you have already found it in Jesus? I was invited. And I want to invite someone else to experience the rest that I experienced. So let's keep going. Let's pray. Jesus, you know how clever we sometimes can try to be. We try to solve all our issues on our own. And we just can't. We lay awake at night and play the same things over and over in our minds and it just doesn't stop. And I want to pray for every single person who's here tonight who struggle to find rest. I pray, Jesus, that we would give that step, that we would settle into the rest that you want to give. I pray that tonight we will make a decision to surrender our worries, to surrender our heavy burden, to surrender the pain and give it to you and say, your yoke, it's light and soft and good and filled with grace. But I also pray, Lord, that that we will not stop this journey, that we will continue to follow after you, that we will stay in your shadow every day. And I pray that we will not keep it to ourselves, but that we will invite other people along this journey. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm Louis Kiepers, the lead pastor of Prodeo Church, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to this message today. If you felt inspired by it and you would like to see this continue, we would love to get some of your support. So follow one of the three links below. There's two for South African donors, one a SnapScan link and one our banking details. Or if you're an international listener, there's also a link for you to follow if you wanted to give. So from my side, thank you again and may God bless you.